Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're talking about making waves after 50 by taking chances and risks and learning to embrace and enjoy the ride with Lisa Ludoff Perlo. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Today, we're talking about leadership and cruise ships, specifically one woman's career experience to be courageous while using her smarts and heart to rise to the top. As former CEO of Celebrity Cruises and vice chairman of external affairs at Royal Caribbean Group, my guest today did just that. I just love the timing of this episode because I am just returning from hosting the Women in the Middle Connection cruise which took place on the Celebrity Silhouette ship. We went to Key West and the Bahamas, and we had an amazing time together. I have a feeling this will be the first of many retreats like this. The story you're about to hear is a big navigational journey. But just quick, speaking of big navigational journeys, I'm sure you can relate in midlife because that's what being intentional in midlife is all about. I want to make sure that you know there's help. You are not alone. So if you're feeling stuck and confused and having trouble getting crystal clear about what you want, I totally hear you. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Happiness Academy with you in mind, because it's an empowering, life-changing, supportive and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together. It's totally possible to feel great about your journey to a more fun and meaningful phase of your life. So email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free, no obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. Okay, now let's dive in because I have a treat for you. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Lisa Ludolf Perlow. Today's podcast episode is about making waves after 50 by taking chances and risks and learning to embrace and enjoy the ride. Lisa is the former CEO of Celebrity Cruises and vice chairman of external affairs at Royal Caribbean Group. Lisa is a high-impact leader in the travel and hospitality industry. Her vision and strategy not only propelled Celebrity Cruises to achieve transformational financial results as a brand within the Royal Caribbean Cruises portfolio, but also dramatically increased the number of women in leadership roles throughout the celebrity brand. Her passion for building extraordinary ships, creating unique experiences, and opening up the world through travel has brought recognition and countless awards to her and Celebrity Cruises. Lisa and Celebrity have achieved global impact, earning her a reputation as a trailblazer bringing transformation, diversity, and inclusion into the travel and hospitality industry and onto the bridges of ships. In her new book, Making Waves, A Woman's Rise to the Top Using Smarts, Heart, and Courage, Lisa reveals how she navigated an extraordinary and inspiring four-decade journey with boundless energy, quick wit, and pursuit of excellence in the face of adversity. 
Her story will inspire women to be courageous while using their smarts and heart to rise to the top. I know you're going to get a lot out of this interview. There's so much practical goodness in here. So please enjoy. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thank you, Susie. It is an absolute pleasure. I'm excited to have our conversation. Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't be more excited because first of all, I love ocean. You love ocean. I love boating. You love boating. I love (laughs) whales. I have a feeling you have seen some whales and I want to ask you about that. And really, I just love amazing stories about amazing women and talking about their lessons learned along the way to happiness and fulfillment. And that is you. Oh, thank you. It's been, uh, it's been a great ride. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you about it. Amazing. Okay. So I want to start by asking you to share a bit about who you are and your path to writing your new book, Making Waves, A Women's Rise to the Top Using Smarts, Heart, and Courage. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I have had such a wonderful career, almost four decades long. I have been in the same company for 39 years uh, in just a couple of months, which is crazy to think about. It is. Yeah. And, you know, the, the book, um, just was an outcome of so many of the things I've experienced and so many of the things that I've done. And I only did it at the urging of so many people that I know um, professionally and who have said, you really have to write a book and you have to tell your story. And, and for me, it was all about the lessons I learned along the way. It's a leadership book. It's told through my stories, of course, because it brings it to life. But I've learned so much along my way. I started at the very bottom and rose to the top, which was really cool. I experienced a lot of great things along the way and a lot of hiccups along the way, a lot of success, a lot of failure. Um, I come from a small fishing town in Massachusetts, right on the water. Uh, so we're talking about the oceans and how much we love the oceans. I've loved them since I was born. And it's it's fun and interesting. My parents were always in the restaurant business. I find it serendipitous. I ended up in hospitality on the water. And uh, I entered the industry happenstance. You know, we can talk a little bit more about that as as we uh, chat further. But it wasn't a plan I had to end up in the cruise business. It's just something that happened. And one of the chapters of my book is not everyone has a plan, but sometimes that can work out really great for you as well. Oh, it's so true. And I'm dying to know what was that first job for you that was starting out at the bottom? It was a district sales manager position. It was based in uh, New England, where I'm from, headquartered in uh, Massachusetts. It was the, you know, the most central state that I was covering. I also, I also had Eastern Canada. Funny enough, I applied for the position. I was working in a travel agency at the time and this district sales manager position became open. And the gentleman that was vacating it said, if you're interested, you should send your resume. So I did. I applied. I, I got pretty far in the interview process. And then I was found out, I found out I was second choice, not first choice. So they hired someone else instead of me. And it's the first, it is the first example in this company, in my career, in my 39 years where I was turned down for something, but didn't give up. And when I found out less than, I think that was February, two months later, I found out that the person they hired didn't even make it through his probationary period. Oh my gosh. And I found out by accident. They didn't like call me and say, Hey, listen, you came in second. The guy didn't work out. Would you like the job? 
So I find out by accident and I'm like, damn, I'm going to just go. I'm going to ask, you know, why you didn't, why they didn't call me. They put me through the whole process again. And this time they picked me and that was in May of 1985. And then I just steadily worked uh, my way through sales for 17 years. I went to marketing for five years. I switched brands and went into operations for seven years. I went back to the bigger brand in a bigger operational role for two years. And then finally, in December of 2014, I was appointed to president and CEO of Celebrity Cruises, but only after I asked for the position three different times and was told no. Wow. Your perseverance is unbelievable. And I know that you talk about that in the book. And, you know, so many of us know so many young people now in their 20s. (laughs) My nieces, who my book is dedicated to. Yeah, I do. We do. And it's so interesting, uh, their thoughts about perseverance, longevity, um, starting at the beginning, working hard. Uh, and the way we define this stuff is very different than the way young people tend to define it now. Have you noticed that too? You, you know, I've talked to so many people, Susie, that just, you know, they'll ask me in the company, do you might, would you have, you know, a little bit of time? I'm looking for a mentor. I'd love your advice. I see what you've done. I've see, I see how you've grown. They know I started at the bottom and ended up at the top. And it's so funny. I find two common themes. One is so many people have a linear path. They think they know where they want to go. They know where they are now and they see a straight line. And I always tell them, take forks in the road, learn as much as you can, get as much experience as you can, because it served me so well in my career and it falls on deaf ears. And then the second theme is I've been here for five years and I'm not president and CEO yet. And I say, dude, you're talking to the wrong person. It took me 30 years. Pay your dues. Learn what you can. Prove yourself. Get results. Show that you're multifaceted and not one-dimensional. Take lateral moves so you can move up. And nobody wants to do that. And so, um, yeah, I just don't, I don't understand because there are so many examples in my company of people who have moved around, even in lateral moves, and risen really high in the company. But it's just so hard to give people advice that they'll actually take. And yes, I do find that. And it's, I think it's frustrating and unfortunately it's limiting for them. I truly believe that. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's interesting though, because sometimes there are uh, opinions and their perspective that's very useful for people like us about being in the present moment every once in a while, you know, like really working to be in the present moment and living and experiencing life now. But it's kind of, weird how the message can get mixed up when it comes to the appreciation and importance of novel work experiences mm-hmm. and how you can apply those lessons learned and how they make them, it makes you more valuable ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I love hearing your story about that. And, and you really did start from the beginning and you didn't have a plan, which is another thing. Like we love to have things so certain as if we yeah. think anything is certain, yeah. nothing yeah. is certain. But we think, oh, if it's all wrapped up and if you just tell me if I do X, then I'll get Y. And then if I do Z, I'll get whatever. I'll just keep going. But it doesn't work that way. Nothing is certain. No, no. You know, I had a plan once in my almost 40 year career. I was in sales for 17 years and I was in different sales roles and progressive sales roles. So 
I would get more and more responsibility. I would get promoted within sales. I had more things reporting to me. I had more people reporting to me. So I really learned everything about sales and I loved it. I'm a salesperson at heart, which always helps no matter what you do in life. Being a salesperson is, is a number one top of the list. You're, we're always selling something. And I wanted to be the head of sales. You know, I finally figured out I was in a company for 17 years. Before I started in this company, I was lucky to have a stay in a job for a year. And um, I'm like, I want to be the head of sales. And I waited for the man that, you know, was the head of sales to leave, retire, be done so I could take his position. And then one day, the uh, senior vice president of sales and marketing decided he was going to move me out of sales and put me into marketing. And the one time I had a plan in my career, it was completely derailed. And I thought my career was over. And to your point, you go, you make the best of it. You say, okay, well, let's see what this has in store for me. It didn't work out the way that I planned, but that doesn't mean it's not going to work out. And so a lot of my career was, okay, watch me prove you wrong. Like I'm going to be able to do this and I'm going to excel and I'm going to apply everything I know and surround myself with smart people who are going to help me be successful. And then that was the beginning of so many moves that ultimately got me ready to be appointed to president and CEO of Celebrity. But without those things, it never would have happened. And I didn't even recognize that. I was devastated when he moved me. And um, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. You were devastated when you got a position like that? <laughs> yes, because it was like, all right, he's taking me out of sales now. I'm never going to be the head of sales. Yeah. I'm never going to get my dream job. And then I'm thinking, well, now what does that mean for me? Am I going to have to leave the company? Um, you know, am I going to fail in this new, in this new gig that I've been given? Because this man saw something in me that I probably didn't, which, you know, in a lot of cases that happens, right? Other people see more in us than we see in ourselves. And I think, why is that? Why do people have, you know, more faith in us than sometimes we do? And thank goodness we find those people along our way. Absolutely. You know, I think part of that is, that a lot of the skills that are so important for leadership are what we would call soft skills, like that courage or that your heart is talked about a lot in mm -hmm. the book reviews. And, you know, yeah. so would you think if you were thinking about something that's going to propel you forward, would you be thinking, oh, yes, I have heart and I know exactly how to apply it to be successful? Would mm -hmm. you actually think that? Yes, I believe that heart has been a huge advantage of mine in leadership. And so many times throughout my career, I was put into positions where I was not the subject matter expert. I was chosen for other reasons, because of my leadership qualities and capabilities, because of the culture that I embodied and could change and evolve as I was put into different roles, into different departments and on different brands. I got results. I knew how to get results, even though I didn't know the subject matter as well as other people. Um, and I, I was a driver. And those are the things that people saw in me and said, those skills are transferable. She doesn't know how, need to know how to be a captain. She doesn't need to be a hotel director on a ship. She doesn't ever, she doesn't have to ever have worked on a ship, but yet, um, but yet I was given and chosen for those positions. And oftentimes people think, especially women, if they're not 100% prepared for a position or they think they aren't, then they're not going to go for it. They're not going right. to try for it. And that's limiting as well. I, I always used to tell my team, and it wasn't about their career path. It was about our performance. 
I always used to say the only thing standing in our way is ourselves. And I oftentimes feel that about our careers and how we navigate them. And if we are not the ones that are limiting us more than the external factors. It is so true. And fear, fear Um, gets in the way. When I was stuck for five years, it was fear. And I had no idea. I didn't imagine myself as a fearful person. And when I figured it out, I was so surprised. Yeah. And, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. Because I will tell you, I've done a lot of things, taken a lot of risks, transformed a lot of things, done things differently in an industry that's very much, you know, a sea of sameness. And every single time it took courage, but it didn't mean I wasn't, uh, you know, part of me wasn't afraid it wasn't going to work. And I, you know, that's again what I used to tell my team. Don't think I'm not afraid, you know, just because I want to go for it, just because I have the courage to go for it. And um, it doesn't mean there isn't some part of me that's a little afraid, but come on, let's ha- let's hold hands and jump. Otherwise, we, you know, there's no there's no reward if there's no risk. That is so true. Now, let's talk a little bit about COVID because the whole COVID thing with the cruise industry was massive and you really led at a time where so many people didn't see much hope or possibility. So talk to us a little bit about how that all went down for you. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. What a time. 15 months completely out of business as the world was being ravaged, as many businesses suffered, but I don't think any as badly as the cruise industry And I learned a lot during that time. You know, the worst of times teaches you the most. And I learned that, again, we talk about fear. You know, you don't, you hope, you think you're, you're doing everything. You're having the right conversations. You're, you're doing all the right things where you know at some point in time you're going to be back. But as the months dragged on and the quarters dragged on and even the years dragged on, you you be, you were uncertain yourself on any given day if it was all going to be okay, and yet you had twenty thousand people looking at you and to you for hope, for confidence that you know, don't worry, we're going to be back, we're going to be able to put you back to work, you're going to be able to provide for your families again. This career that we all love is 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 going to be okay. We had ships anchored all over the world with nowhere to go and a hundred crew members where they used to have. 1400 crew members. It was, you know, it was, um, and I learned during that time as a leader, you have to pivot and you have to develop different muscles and strengthen different muscles that you probably have, but didn't use as frequently like empathy, like motivation, inspiration, optimism, confidence, hope, and dial down the driving results, performance. I mean, we didn't have any business, so you didn't need to you know, to, to really flex those muscles as much. And, and what I also learned is you have to do it even when you're not sure yourself. Oh yeah. You have to to take that, whatever fears you have and worries that you have about that and just leave them at the door when you come in on zoom and just, you know, be the leader that they all need you to be at the time. And, and you're only seeing people on screens. You're not ever with people anymore. And there's that, that energy isn't there. So it's even more difficult to do that, right? When you're not in the room because you, you need to, um, you need to 
portray that in a in a different way because there's no physical contact. That's and really then, true. And, you know, it really stood out. It popped out in your book when you said my methodology was hope and encouragement. Mm-hmm. My message was we've got this. And mm-hmm. as a leader that you knew that you needed to be the difference maker that your people needed you to be. That really stood out because yeah. you you just knew that you had to do it. I had to. And I had to pivot and focus them on something positive, even though we were wallowing in the in the um, shutdown and wondering if if and when we're ever going to come back. So I started a project that focused on the future so that we didn't have to think about the present as much anymore. And then, of course, I was suffering, you know, a terrible personal uh, situation at the time with the with my sister being so sick and um, and uh, being diagnosed with cancer. And, and that was the last year of her life. And it was um, it was awful. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me and uh, still to this day. And I'm so sorry. I'm, and, and and you were on such a your role was so critical at work. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your emotional, yeah. And your emotional needs and where you needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Right. Well, you know, what I always said every day I woke up was I needed to look for the silver lining in the COVID-19 cloud because so many things were happening that were, um, hard, but, and for many of us, but I'm the, I've been described as the, as a relentless optimist. And so I always had to focus on what is the good, what it, what can I use? this, how can I make a good situation out of a really bad situation? My sister lived with me. And so I got to spend every day of the last year of her life with her. And I will treasure that forever. And I know how important that was to her. So that was the silver lining that I, I was, we were together uh, every day for for that, for that year. Mm. And, um, and I also, again, looked at the silver lining and said, all right, how are, when we come out of this as a brand, how are we going to be better than when we were shut down? And I focused everyone's positive energy on the future and reevaluating the brand and doing some new, new and exciting things that we could implement as soon as we were able to go out there and market again and go out there and talk about our brand again because we were new, knew we were coming back. So yeah, that was a very interesting 15 months. That's the first chapter of the book because that's what, you know, people know about the cruise industry. Like you said, we got a lot of publicity during that time for sure. Oh my gosh. But you know, at a high level, what you really do is you're focusing on helping people enjoy their vacations. Yeah. And I, I love thinking about that because it's such a thing in midlife. I mean, it's important that we all enjoy our vacations, but in midlife travel becomes so important to people. And there's so much emphasis placed on, we got to make that vacation perfect. We just got to get there. We can't get sick. And so many things are going on in our lives that can prevent us from getting out the door, right? With other family emergencies, exactly the kind of things that uh, you see all the time. So when you were focusing on this new um, exciting idea for the future, I'm sure it had something to do with the way consumers enjoy their vacations. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the highlights that you noticed that you really wanted to bring forward to the future? Well, the good news was that um, another silver lining in the COVID-19 cloud is that as human beings, we all realize we cannot be shut off from each other anymore. It's not okay. the right way to live. None of us want to do that. So there was a lot of pent up demand for traveling again. And even if you didn't travel that much, people were like, I'm going to go see the world. I'm going to enjoy my life because 
in a minute, you know, you're, you can be shut in your house or you can lose your life. And we saw a lot of people go through that during COVID. So when we were thinking about how do we, where do we want our brand to be in the positioning of the industry in terms of vacation? What are the markets we want to go after? You know, we identified Gen X as a market that was underserved by us, but a perfect market for us, the right age, that their children are the right age. Because the great thing about celebrities, we travel all over the world. You know, we take people all over the world to experience the world in a wonderful way. And, and that is the beauty of travel. You know, you, when you get to experience different people and different cultures. So we wanted to really dial up the crowd, uh, the affluence of the crowd we were going after. We wanted to reposition our brand into a unique niche category. We wanted to go after a whole new market. We wanted to position ourselves as relaxed luxury, which we hadn't done up until that time. We wanted to include a lot of different things in the pricing. And and, and you, we found after COVID, people weren't so concerned about what they were spending. They just wanted to go. And, um, and you know, and we realized that the the opportunity for us was going to be tremendous once we all came out of this because people wanted to just go and travel and be with their families because so many people were separated from their families. So even families became a bigger market for us because people wanted to be together and celebrate together because they were, you know, separated. And so multi-generational family uh, travel became even a bigger market for us. Did you say relaxed luxury? Yes. Tell me more what that means. Yeah. Well, you know, luxury has the, you know, we, we spent a lot of time working with a luxury expert to help us define luxury and how people view luxury now. And people don't view luxury as pretentious or stuffy or small, you know, and we always said that we could deliver luxurious experiences at scale at Celebrity. And people said, oh, in your industry, you can't provide a luxurious experience on a ship with 3000 people. And I said, you know, this is just who I am. I said, oh, really? Why not? I, I watch me, watch me prove you wrong. That's a chapter in my book because I was determined to prove people wrong. And I said, if Vegas can do it, the cruise industry can do it. And if you look at what Steve Wynn did in Vegas, bringing these beautiful, luxurious hotels, which weren't luxury hotels and stuffy hotels with all of these great restaurants and great experiences, I said, I guarantee you the cruise industry could do it. And that's, you know, that's what we did at Celebrity. And I, that's a legacy that I'm very proud to have left behind. You know, it's so interesting that you just said that because I'm leading a retreat on, on a celebrity cruise. So, I mean, it's just a coincidence that here you are or is it? I'm not sure. But when, um, I looked at three cruise lines as an option for the midlife women yeah. and yours stood out because of classic luxury. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking of the spa. It was the right. decor. It was, right. you know, and right. I'm not, I'm not an experienced cruiser, but it just seemed like that was perfect for us because I definitely wanted to provide an opportunity to relax in a mm-hmm. space that's very different from mm-hmm. our homes. Oh, wonderful. I will yeah. there. Look at that. You See? got me. <laughs> I got you. Yay. Thank you. Listen, branding, marketing, sales, that's my background. And so. When I got the opportunity as president and CEO of Celebrity, I'm like, okay, I'm going to create a brand to be reckoned with, you know, because it was, it does, hadn't found its way yet. And then, of course, these Edge series of ships changed everything. And that was just a, 
you know, probably the proudest moment of my career was introducing those amazing ships. That, oh, tell us more about that. Why are they so yeah. amazing? Well, you know, the edge of glory, chapter six is, the, you know, people say, what are you most proud of? And it was creating these ships that were the epitome of relaxed luxury that were designed by world-renowned designers all over the world, men and women who had never worked on cruise ships before. So it's a completely different feeling that you get on these ships, much more residential, much more high-end, where, you know, the design on ships is is not always that. And I wanted to separate celebrity from the past. The culinary, uh, the pack, the culinary experiences on celebrity are amazing, where the uh, only brand that Danielle Balud would ever partner with. And we opened a, you know, a Danielle Balud restaurant on two of our ships so far and also have him consulting with us on other menus across the ship. A spa, the spa experience is amazing. Um, and it's just one more element because wellness is like, I think a $4.6 trillion business and only booming more so since COVID because people want to take care of themselves more now. So. Yeah, so we really focus on five pillars and we, we really wanted to blow those five pillars up and, um, and do a great job against all of them and including the places in the world that we go and take people. What are those five pillars? Um, destination, culinary, wellness, accommodations, and service. Amazing. Okay, now there's something I have to ask you. A couple of things about favorites. Okay. Uh, you know that I love whales so much. Yeah. It's completely my passion. I've done as much whale watching as I uh, can since 1985. And I'm sure being on the water as long as you have and in so many different parts of the world, you've seen some amazing things with whales. Can you talk about one of those experiences that really stood out for you? Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget it. It was one of our multi-generational family cruises. There were 14 of us. We were on a cruise in Alaska. And people always say, like, really, what is your favorite place to go uh, on a cruise? I would say two places, the Galapagos and Alaska, because the best way to see both of those t- destinations is by ship. And one day we had a private family excursion and we were going to see whales. And um, we we went out there on the boat. And, oh, my goodness, Susie, we were in the middle of what was probably the most amazing whale-breaching experience ever. And the, the guys that were the hosts, like they, they ran the boat, right? This is the, It was their boat, and they did whale watching, and they had our family. They were pushing us out of the way to get photos and video. Because even they had never seen such an amazing, uh, like, it, they, the whales were everywhere and reaching like crazy and it was beautiful and there were tons of them and there were seals and whales and we were like, oh my God, this is, it was, it was majestic, it was magical. It was something I will never forget, nor will my family, nor will they. And you know, those are the things that are so special about what we do and taking vacations on the water. Now I have seen whales before and in other, other times, other places, but nothing like that. And, um, you know, and, and the, the opportunity to see those types of things would be in places like Alaska. And, uh, yeah, it was magical. You would have loved it. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So and that's I will definitely. 
I will definitely be on one of those cruises for sure. So what would you say your favorite chapter in the book is about and why? Oh, okay. Probably the last chapter. I mean, I don't know. There were so many, so many beautiful chapters about lessons I learned. Every chapter was based on an important lesson that I learned. And I think the last chapter, chapter 10, is full steam ahead. And it deals with a couple of things that, um, as I sit here today, were really important. Number one was the comeback from COVID. It took a while. You know, I mean, the, my book was six years in the making with two years of, uh, you know, time out because of COVID. And who's going to write a book? There's nothing to write about. But as we're coming out of COVID, it was like the perfect time to get back at the book and, and finally get it done and get it out. And so as I was finishing up chapter 10, full steam ahead, we were pretty much coming out of COVID. It was a long slog. It was a tough time. It was took longer than we wanted. It was, it was harder than we thought, especially for a brand like us that travels all over the world on these longer cruises. And, you know, I, it, it was a lot about resilience and how if you stay focused and true to what you believe and revalidate what you believe in and where your brand is going, it will at the end, serve you well, but it's so easy to give up when things aren't always going your way. So um, that was an important part of chapter 10. The other important part of chapter 10 was that I tried to sum up, you know, I've, I've always thought about sales and marketing and presenting, and you always have to pick like a few things that people will always remember, right? which is how I got to the subtitle of the book. Like when I think about, all right, if I were to just sum up for people, now that they've read all of these 10 chapters and all of these lessons and heard all of these stories, what would I say to someone looking to rise from the bottom to the top? And I would say, okay, let's try to pick three things that you need to focus on. One is smarts, one is heart, and one is courage. And those were the three things in my career that served me well. Number one, you have to be smart. You need all that experience. You have to get results. Number two, you need to lead with lead with heart because it gets you discretionary effort that's priceless. And I talk a lot about that in the book. And the last was courage because I believe above all else, leaders need courage. It takes courage to do anything, especially lead. Then I ended the chapter with it even takes courage to know when to walk away. And um, I stepped down from my position at Celebrity at the end of April 2023, and I will leave the company at the end of April in 2024. And that took probably as much courage as it took for me to do anything else in that 39-year career because, you know, it became my career and my position and my company became who I was. And I realized at that point in time, I'd been through so much, done so much, And it was time to think about what was next. Yeah. What is next when you are reimagining what's possible and reimagining your identity and really getting honest and quiet with yourself about what it is that you want? Right. Right. And sometimes you don't know, but you know that it's a big universe with a lot of opportunity. You know, I've learned even in these um, nine months of transition that your body of work is always going to do well by you because, you know, people think that, you know, what they've accomplished is insignificant or the people they've met along the way, you never know where, where your paths are going to cross again or why. And sometimes in this transition phase, 
um, you find out. And then I knew the book was going to be a catalyst for my next chapter and open new doors for me. And I had been through so much in my career, COVID, the shutdown, losing my sister. And I said, you know, and I'm certainly the age in which I could stop, you know, stop everything and just be done. But I know that's not me and I'll never be done, or at least not in the short, but in the horizon that I see. But I knew it was time for something else. And um, and taking that step, though, I have to tell you, it took a lot of courage. And even today, you know, still, uh, it takes a lot of courage. But there's a lot of fun and exciting things I'm going to be able to do. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm so glad I did it. It was a hard, hard decision to come to, but I did. Oh, what a way to take care of yourself, though. Because the book, as hard as it probably was to finish, because most people don't just quickly write a book, (laughs) it causes a lot of this thinking and reevaluation. So I like to say that you're already on the right path. So you wrote a book. It wasn't an accident that you wrote a book. It wasn't an accident that you wrote a book that required you to do some reflecting and some summarizing and, you know, to be able to boil it down to what really helped you rise, being your smarts, your heart, your courage. But remember, your book is always, uh, is also called Making Waves. So <laughs> you had to make the waves to rise. I mean, even yeah. that little story that you briefly mentioned that you tried to move up several times before you were looked at seriously. I mean, to even be able to do that, you just, you just went, you acknowledged it so quickly, but it takes a lot to come back after rejection. Yes. Yes. It, it, and it takes courage and persistence. Yeah. It was hard. And you know, it was funny because both men who vacated the positions that I asked for, president and CEO positions on two different brands, recommended me for the job, the role. They're like, you need to, you need to give this to Lisa. She's ready. She's great. The, the brand would be in amazing hands and, uh, she, she deserves this. And I still had to ask three times because the person that was ultimately making the decision didn't agree with that. And uh, at that time, and so he wanted to wait for certain things, but they, again, okay, let's look at the silver lining. Was I frustrated? Yes. Was I a little resentful? Yes. But what did I do with those two things? I use them as motivation to turn those no's into a yes, because that's what I've done my entire life and in my entire career. And what the silver lining was is that he then took the opportunity to work closely with me, mentor me, actually help me get there. Ultimately, even though he was also the obstacle, he was then the one that actually did it. So that's a good outcome to the story, right? But what I learned was you need to navigate your career so that people notice because he just wasn't paying attention. Mm. And so now he needed this time to pay attention, which was great. He took the time and ultimately he said, yes, but I learned another lesson is that you need to make sure that you are running your own little PR campaign so that people that are making the decisions know what you're doing and see what you're doing. Because I always thought that just by doing well and working hard, people, I was going to get what I wanted. That is so not true. That is a mic drop moment. That is so insightful and so true. Absolutely. But, you know, with the writing of the book at this time in your career, it is such a beautiful way and and pun, you know, to to lead into the next chapter. Yes. 
because you have done the reflecting. And if you want to adopt my belief that you're already on the right path, it is leading you to the next chapter. And it's not an accident, right? No, no, I couldn't agree more, Susie. And I really believe, I know it's like, I there's so many moments in my life, in my career, right now in this conversation, you know, things happen. You don't understand at the time, but they lead somewhere that you also never knew was going to happen. And the, the book is definitely part of that. I was such a reluctant book writer. You know, I say that in my opening letter to my two nieces. I'm like, I never thought I would be the author of a book. I never thought I'd be a published author. It was never in my wildest imagination. And this book took a long time to get, you know, to get out there. And you're right. It it happened for a reason at at the right time. It took six years. You would say, oh, wow, it took a long time. Yes, but exactly what I said about my career, perhaps 30 years in was exactly the right timing for me. Yeah. Perhaps six years later is exactly the right timing for this book. Yeah. Yeah. And and what if it just happened for you? Right. It just happened for you to help, to help to guide you. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to end our little interview with a quote from Captain Sandy, Captain Sandy Yan, who's one of my favorites on Below Deck. She's a world renowned captain. And she says in your book that it was clear that you were called to lead because of your actions, heart and vision, and that she's now going to use your leadership tips on the board of, of the vessels that she runs. So she says, thank you for parting the seas. For women at the helm. Yeah. She's a wonderful friend, an amazing woman, and um, an amazing human being. So I was flattered and honored that she said that. It was a beautiful quote, and you are a beautiful person. Lisa, I have loved this interview so much. I'm so honored to have uh, booked a celebrity cruise for my first retreat post-COVID. And it's just been so amazing to meet you. You're very insightful. You're very compassionate. and I think you were called to lead. I agree. (laughs) I agree. So Making Ways, A Woman's Rise to the Top Using Smarts, Heart, and Courage can be found everywhere books are found, I would imagine, right? Yes. uh, Amazon.com, certainly. Barnes & Noble, local bookstores. And if people want to buy some for their team, or they can go to porchlight.com for bulk buys. Yes. Oh, that's a great tip. I am definitely sharing this with my sons. They're very interested in leadership. And I would love to be able to recommend them this book. We all love the water. We're very familiar with boating and everything. Not so much familiar with these ships, but somewhat. (laughs) And just so excited to share your work, your insight, and your experiences. Thank you so much, Lisa, and all the best. Thank you so very much, Susie. It was a pleasure. Okay, that's it for this episode. Well, I can't even tell you how much I enjoyed this interview with Lisa. She accomplished so much and she became such an inspirational and motivational leader. But I was really taken with her courage throughout COVID, weren't you? To have the ability to dream big during such stressful, scary adversity, it's really something to show up as that kind of a leader when you're afraid yourself. (laughs) I can't even imagine just having the pressure to lead at a time like that and then building something amazing and big out of of such darkness to soar like that. It was really, really something very, very impressive. The other thing that really stood out to me is how important it is to recognize that working hard 
isn't always enough to rise up in your career. Lisa suggests that you kind of have to become your own little PR company, that you have to make it easy for your work to be seen. I really think that women our age didn't really get this memo, (laughs) for sure. I thought that if I just kept doing exceptional work, my contribution and value would be recognized. And it's not always like that. I love that she put a big giant spotlight on this and so much more. And of course, you know that any chance I get to ask somebody like Lisa, who spent so much time on the water, about her favorite whale encounter, I am just over the moon. (laughs) I hope you got a lot out of this interview. Even the way she described her whale encounter, I'm never going to forget that. And there's just so much that came out of this interview. So I know I'm going to be recommending her book to lots of people. I hope you do too. Okay. Now, as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to become more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. Now, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck and clear so that you don't have regrets. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Happiness Academy with you in mind because it's such a strong, empowering program and it's warm and supportive. It's fun. It's a coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together. It is totally possible to feel amazing about the way you're going to be navigating forward, the way you're going to be creating that roadmap to a more fun and meaningful regret-free next chapter. Like, seriously, it's time for you to feel free to enjoy your life the way you want to. That's what you want, right? So I'm here to help. Email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free, no obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. I'm also excited to invite you to amplify your listening experience with the podcast by having more of a book club kind of experience with all of the midlife stuff that we're talking about here. This is perfect for you when you're craving connecting with more women in the middle. Join the Women in the Middle Podcast Club. Just go to www.susierosenstein.com and click the Podcast Club button and away you go. And finally, for show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the Podcast tab and look for Episode 344. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.